Welcome to the SASCast with Sarah and Amber. Sarah, what are we drinking? Well, this is a very special podcast. Like, do you remember that stupid show Blossom with Mayim Bialik? And every yeah, she ended up getting a PhD in neuroscience. And she was on that famous show that I never yeah, watched. She had money and brains. What was that show that she was on that everybody watched? Blossom. No, no, no. The follow-up show she was on. Oh, Big Bang Theory. Oh, God, I never watched that. Yeah. But I watched a couple episodes. I thought it was kind of cute. My mom and I and my stepdad would watch it. It was pretty sweet. The reason I brought that up is because every episode of Blossom, that was her original series, was a very special episode of Blossom. <laughs> okay. And this is a very special episode of Sascast. But it is. Because you and I, let's start from the why we're doing this podcast. Yes. And what, what are we and what we're doing? Okay, we're drinking we're... Bloody Marys. Okay. And we just, as an excuse... We said to each other, you know, why are we drinking Bloody Marys? Oh, I know, because it's after Mary Tudor, Mary Queen of Scots, who had a bloody reign during the 16th century, a queen of the British Empire, I guess. And if you all remember, there was a really good movie about that in the 60s, although I guess it wasn't that good because I don't remember the name of it, but... Oh, anyway, okay. it had Vanessa Redgrave in it. I, I think it's important that we have a little historical context, right? Because the crown, as we know, is going through the history of this season is Princess Diana season. Yeah, this is the Diana season. Oh, my God. I was the biggest. So it's season four. Season four. The crown. We're, particularly, we're going to do season four, episode three, because you and I were watching this episode and every other moment we were either swearing we were like, oh my God, do you remember when? And or we were crying. Or we were crying. I mean, it was it was the most I think it was the most powerful episode of The Crown thus far. I agree with you 100 percent on that. I I've watched every single episode of The Crown since season one. I loved, loved, loved it when Olivia Coleman came onto the show last season as the Queen. But and then I very clearly turned on her as Amber might I've turned on Olivia Coleman. I don't believe it was good casting. It, but okay, which which we must tell our listeners something. Okay, we must tell them when Olivia Coleman won, who was the Oscar for her role in The Favorite in 2019, and I caught you listening to her acceptance speech probably six to seven times a day for, for about a month. So you guys, that was. The funniest thing to me, I never. Well, okay, I, I mean, I've been married you. for you. I've been married to you for twelve years. You say stuff. I should say you say stuff every day that surprises me, and I like look at you like with questioning in my face, like what are you talking about? But yet at the same time, I feel like I know you. But I was not expecting six to seven t- reviews of the Oscar speech. For Olivia Coleman, I did not know you had a crush on her that bad. Okay, so unfortunately, what I say, what I'm about ready to say, may take you down a few notches, Amber. But I want to remind you of something because, truthfully, that was a joyous moment in life. It was 2019. We were in Kauai with our close friends on a trip, and Olivia Coleman surprisingly she made a, a big surprise win of Best Actress. Glenn Close was was oh, that's right. was supposed to be winning the Oscar that's because she right. had been nominated like a million times and hadn't won. So Olivia Coleman 
surprisingly won the Oscar. And then she gave probably the most famous classic Oscar speech of all time. It was awesome. Go online and watch it. It will make anybody who watches it laugh and smile. Yeah. But the reason why, I don't know that it's so much I had a crush or, ha- you know, have anything for Olivia Coleman. Other than she made me smile, I had just finished radiation treatment for breast oh, cancer. that's right. That's and that right. was a celebration time for us. And then she won, surprisingly, and I was, I loved her speech. It made me smile and laugh every time I watched it. And that's why I, I watched it. And that's why I was such a big Olivia Coleman fan when she came onto The Crown. I've turned on her. I've that on her. stunned me that you turned on her. But anyway, let's, let's get through the episode. Okay. Let's go on to the episode of season four, episode three, oh. The Fairy Tale. Okay, so the episode starts in Windsor Castle, 1981. And it basically starts with the marriage proposal. Okay. So it was like a game of telephone. The way that unveiled it was the game of telephone. Yes. Okay. So on the phone, waiting to hear whether he proposed or not, was the queen, the queen mum, Princess Margaret, Princess Anne, and Charles. Am I missing anyone? No. Okay. No. And and by the way, in future episodes of this season, you see the queen having dinner or lunch or having meals with the queen mum. That's her mother. And Princess Princess Anne and Princess Margaret. So this is common that there will be those women in in scenes by themselves. And this included Charles, who was delivering the news that he had proposed. And they wanted to hear how he proposed. And the question was, did he kneel? The queen asked that question. Yeah. Did he kneel? And what was his answer? It was like, of course I didn't kneel. The only person I would kneel before is the queen, is the sovereign. And we were like, okay. Okay, so that's strike one. By the way, he's such an ass. Like, just from, he's been an ass the whole time. No, he's an ass. This should be called Charles the Ass. Charles the Ass. Yeah, we're going to call it the episode that. Then that was the end. They were all happy. And it was just like, like, fuck you, Charles. Just even the proposal. The proposal I want to look it up. We'll have to look it up and see if it actually yeah. happened that way. But the fact and, that he didn't kneel. Yeah. And then they, she goes home. Not that you should kneel. I just want to say that. Yeah. It's just his response to like, oh, no, the only person I'd kneel yeah. in front of is you, mom. He's not overly happy about this whole thing. It's obvious in the scene. And then they show that famous scene when she's returning to her apartment to go to back to her flatmates. And she's in that turquoise oh, yeah. sweater. But you missed the part. So... She she got into a car that we I questioned whether it was a Volkswagen Rabbit or a Cabriolet. Amber claims that it was probably a Peugeot or something like that. But if you guys remember when William got his first car, whenever he was able to drive, it was a Volkswagen. And my recollection is that he chose a Volkswagen because that was his mother's car. And you know, both uh, William and Harry are both apparently devoted to Diana's memory. Yeah. So yeah, it did look like a rabbit, which you know, who didn't want a rabbit in 1981? So my friend Chris Graham, if she's listening to this, which she's not, because I think we have three listeners, she had a rabbit. It wasn't a cabriolet. We both coveted a cabriolet convertible. But, uh, yeah, but she had a white regular VW rabbit. Rabbit. Yeah, and it had no back seats. It just had two front seats, and I don't know we. Anybody who was bored in Davis, California, aside from, like, cow tipping, what we did was Chris and I would drive down the causeway, which is the connection between Davis and Sacramento. Sacramento. Yeah. But we would drive on the frontage road, which wasn't the actual causeway. And we would 
switch drivers when we were going 60 miles per hour. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, that's what we did for fun in Davis. Safe. But nonetheless, okay. And there was a girl in my high school class. We, both Amber and I graduated in 88, so we're a little bit younger. We're, we're just youth, youthful people compared to Diana, apparently. That's a joke. A girl named Denise had a rabbit in my high school class. I don't think anybody else did. We all were very envious of that. Oh, yeah, totally. Who didn't want a rabbit? Anyway, so Diana returns to her flat with her friends. Is it just me or did they all look like they were 38 years old? (laughs) So, okay, they had wigs on. And I get it. You got to put those wigs on everybody in that time frame because everybody in 1981. I specifically remember the movie Ordinary People. That had Elizabeth McGovern and Timothy Hutton in it. Mary Tyler Moore and Donald Sutherland. For whatever reason, that sticks out in my mind on what people's hair look like. And they the hair looked like that. Nobody has hair like that now, so they had to do these wigs. I do think Diana's wigs, the the actress, I think her name is Emma Corwin, I believe. I think her wig is looking good. These women who played her friends, they did look like they were 38. I'm guessing they show up later in the... Season because why would you cast thirty eight year old women for these twenty year old parts? And they had horrible wigs. Yeah, so they all get into a taxi and they go celebrate the proposal oh, at God. the disco. God, it was tragic. And they're in the taxi, and when the wild wind blows, I think it was Stevie Nicks, but it oh, must have been during the Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac, Mac times. Oh, God, and they're riding around, and it's this last moment of freedom. She's smiling. They're laughing. I'm pretty sure I said to Amber when we were watching that scene. I'm pretty sure that was the only time she smiled in the entire episode. Yeah. Diana. Well, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I don't she think smiled, she smiled again. Maybe in the whole series. So far, I have not seen her smile. And then it goes into the opening credits. Yeah. All that happened yeah. before the opening credits. Yeah. Oh, my so God. So once the so opening much. credits comes through, they, they cut to the box of chocolates. And the box yes. of chocolates were the, engagement, uh, the ring. ga- engagement rings, which she got to choose which ones she wanted to wear. I have to say that's kind of a dream. I'm a lesbian, and even I was like, oh, my God, if I could have a box filled with expensive engagement rings and I got to choose whatever I wanted, that is like a dream come true. I have a beautiful engagement ring. Oh, my God, that's so funny because it didn't even I didn't even think two seconds about uh, it. And I'm not but, even girly. I just love that idea of being able to pick a super cool ring for yeah, myself. Yeah. And so she ends up picking the 12 karat oval sapphire diamonds, white gold. It's just beautiful. And she wants it because it looks like her. Reminds her of her mom. And it I think she said reminds her of her mom's ring. Oh, that's right. And her, the color of Di's eyes. Of her own eyes. Yeah, I love that. But it wasn't narcissistic. I didn't take it that no, way. No, I You didn't. know how I took it? She was 19 years old. You yeah. guys, do you remember when you were 19? Because I don't. And I just want to say this. If I would have gotten married at 19, it would have been a real, it would have been a mess. So I give her a lot of credit for being as mature as she was at 19. But that's what a 19-year-old does. It says, oh, I think I'll pick an engagement ring that matches my eyes. Jeez, jeez. It was a beautiful ring. Yeah. Although, you and I, and we won't talk about it in this episode, but you and I have had, had long conversations, just because this is what we talk about. We've had long conversations about Harry and Meghan now as a result of this episode. Yeah. We'll talk about that more. Yeah. So anyway, so they cut to Margaret, oh, telling the story, and when Lady Di is first introduced to the gang, if you will. Okay, no. Take a step back. Margaret is telling a story in sort of a little room where they're getting ready to go to dinner because they're in dinner attire black tie i did not know i was like why are they in tuxes and fancy gowns and sarah says because they're going to dinner yeah they wear what the that's dinner attire so they were waiting for diana to come 
so that they could go to dinner. And Cr- Princess Margaret, played by Oh Bonham Carter, she is classic. She is phenomenal in this. Role. Oh my god, she's so good. Room with a view. I don't. Oh yeah. god, you guys. Yeah, she was honestly. When you saw her in Room with a View, wasn't everybody, men and women alike, they were like, that's the perfect woman. Yeah. She was, she's she amazing. She's amazing. amazing in this role. And then, then she married, what's his face? Burton. Oh, Tim Burton. Yeah. And she was in all those creepy movies. Yeah. Then she, yeah. But she's still wonderful. Okay. Oh, keep God, going. She's so good. And so Helena Bonham Carter playing Princess Margaret is telling a story. Princess Diana interrupts her. And well, no. Just by the way, just because Princess it's Diana's fault. No, no, no. She's she not came into the room by the pages. She came into the room. Yeah. So it's Diana just steps in. It's Queen Mum, Prince Charles, the Queen, Princess Anne, Anne, Princess Margaret, and Philip. So they're all in the room. She gets introduced. Margaret's telling the story. She's just telling some dumb story. It's some stupid story. Yeah. They introduce Diana, and all of a sudden she. She, she interrupts the and she gets like in trouble essentially. For, well, yeah, Miss Mar- Princess Margaret's like, all, oh, you interrupted my story. Yeah. Like, well, what the F? Like a nasty woman. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, she does the bow. Well, she has to bow to everybody in the room because they're all or royal highnesses. Curtsy. Yeah, you have, yeah. Just a curtsy to everybody in the room because they're all royal highnesses. And then Margaret proceeds to make her feel like a shit. Yeah, because she doesn't do it in the right order. order. And this is the worst part. Princess Anne corrects her when she says she does a curtsy to, to Charles. To Charles. To her own fiance, you guys. And, no, she called him sir. sir. And Princess Anne says it's not sir. It's your royal highness until you, you first have to say your royal highness and then you say sir. It's some bullshit like that. And I said to Amber, what did I say, Amber? I said, thank fucking God. That I'm an American, because I could bow to nobody like that. That's bullshit. And you want to know what? Even in these horrible times here in America, America, I still was grateful to be an American when I watched that scene. Yeah. And then and then her, oh, we didn't say her own grandmother was there. Oh, yeah. Her grandma's the princess teacher. Yeah. And, and we, so. I want to look it up, but I believe it's her dad's mom. She's a lady of the court. Yeah. And then at the last moment, she says that there's urgent need to, you know, basically school her. And she how to do wrong. that, because she bowed wrong. As if that and then matters. Charles is laughing. Charles thought it was real funny. Ha, ha, ha. Good job, Charles. Asshole. Oh, Charles. Anyway, okay. cut to the announcement of the marriage to the palace, and she's in that, they're doing all the press for it, and she's mm-hmm. in that famous blue dress. Blue do you remember yeah. that dress? I totally remember. She's in the famous blue dress, and then the photographer asked how they met. Do you remember that? And so they were they were talking about how they met. And what it was about Di that Charles liked. And he says, she's original and funny. No, she was fun. Great fun. Oh, yeah. Original and great fun. Like, he just made And then up. she says, he was marvelous. Marvelous. Well, whatever. Okay. You, what do you expect from a 19-year-old? And then the photographer goes, you look in love. Yeah, the photographer said, if you don't mind my saying something like that, I think that you guys look like that you are very much in love. And then Diana said, yes, or something like that. She acknowledged and then what did Charles say, Amber? Whatever love means. Whatever lo- in love means. What an asshole. Such a fucking ass, you guys. Such an asshole. And then he leaves after that press conference right. to go where? I don't know. We don't even know. He left to go to Gloucestershire, which, uh, do you guys, I always wonder, why are these English names? They're spelled weird, 
but they don't pronounce them like that. Like I, pr- I think I accurately pronounced it Gloucestershire, which is 15 minutes away from. Bum, bum, bum. Can you do the music? Camilla Parker Bowles? Yeah, the girlfriend. Ugh. Cut God. to <laughs> he's going away for six weeks on his tour. So okay, they've Where's got the tour. Did you ever figure I, that out? I don't even care where the tour was he because was I'm so angry at this point. He's getting married. Now he's going away for six weeks. Okay, you're on duty or whatever. You have to go. Your fiance can't you, go. But your fiance, well, she probably couldn't go, but you can't reschedule the whatever bullshit tour that you're going on. Like the queen can't be like, okay, I guess, I Charles, you don't need to go for six weeks. He probably went to like some, you know, great mall of America tour. But anyway, he can't go. And she says, I'll see you at the altar. I'll see you at the altar. And then he said, I'm going to have Mrs. Parker Bowles contact you Mm -hmm. and then she said diana said why or something like that like why would she contact me and he said oh because she's the most fun of anyone oh my god yeah the most fun she's the most fun now you guys i do recall it was last season they were showing Charles falling in love with Camilla Parker Bowles and how they totally, the royals totally interrupted that relationship, forced her basically to marry Andrew Parker Bowles. She was not the, quote, right kind of woman to be the Princess of Wales and the Queen, which is why they totally interfered with that relationship, the royals, as usual. But that being said, I didn't feel so sorry for Charles and Camilla back then because I didn't really get the feeling they tried that hard, honestly. I didn't. You know, I agree with you. Like, yeah. they never showed this, like, passionate love affair or... I mean, they were obviously very close friends, but they, I, I they, agree. Yeah. They I lo- agree. I think they did love each other, but they didn't show it like that. Right. Mm-hmm. A bunch of scenes go by where there's piles of mail, all kinds of flowers coming for Di. She's obviously already a superhero for the British well, they loved her. The, the, they loved her from day they one. loved her from day one. She tries to get a hold of him via his secretary. She tries to get a hold of him and the queen. Well, the only can I, and she's stuck in her fucking room at the palace at doing the her palace. princess lessons. No, doing her princess lessons and roller skating well, with that, the Walkman. That didn't make sense, but I will I say this about the Walkman. I was telling Amber a little side note. The same year, I believe, nineteen eighty or eighty one. We should look that up. It doesn't matter. The Walkman came out. Now, you guys were old, and it's hard to believe there was a time when you literally could not listen to music unless it was on a giant radio in your living room. I know. The Walkman barely but in, in 81. Yeah. But indeed, that is true. There was a time when you could not take music with you. I know it's hard to believe. And then the Walkman came to be. Oh, yeah. And you had headphones and the Walkman, which is why everybody who was born in 19... 19- probably 67 and older is going to be deaf by the time they're 60. But that's a separate issue. Well, I think yeah. everybody's going to be deaf, but nonetheless. Well, it's us because we put the fucking headphones on. That and we're the, the first generation. Oh, we're the first generation, I got yeah, it. Yeah, we're the first generation. So then she cut to her having lunch with Camilla at the restaurant. She's at the restaurant. And it's a pretty seminal scene because this is when we learn that Princess Di... Diana Spencer, when Di is like, she's no dummy. Oh, I know. She is going to, she caught on to Camilla's nastiness so quickly. Well, 
before this, she had, in the episode at least, she had some suspicions of, like, what is going on? Like, right. why is Charles not speaking to me? Why is he not calling me? He's mm-hmm. gone for how many weeks? Mm-hmm. She couldn't get a hold of the queen, who's mm-hmm. clearly a bitch. Mm-hmm. And so she had some suspicions going on. It also showed before that scene, was this is important, that she was suffering from bulimia. And those were some hard scenes to watch yeah. because she was alone in the palace, had no support whatsoever, and no. was turning to bulimia, yeah. um, which I think a lot of people do when you talk about eating disorders. It's a, it's sort of a, well, yeah, I wasn't going to that, sad. but it was awful. It was super sad. And then Camilla yeah. invites her to lunch. And this was when the episode became a living hell for me and Amber. It was so in your face. About how badly this was going and and how badly out. it was going to turn out. It was such a... Like you a, could sense it in this moment. So, the beginning of the luncheon, Camilla kept on making comments about how... Doesn't Diana know that Charles does this? Doesn't Diana know that Charles does that? At one point, Diana said, I don't know anything, in fact. I haven't spent that much time with Charles. And then the conversation turns at one point... When Camilla says, you'll have to have some Fred lessons. Fred lessons. That that was the turning point. That was the turning point where her name, Gladys, wasn't revealed, but his name as Fred was revealed. That's their names for each other. That's they're, Camilla they're, and Charles' name for each Fred. other. And then Camilla just goes off on all the things she knows about Charles from... Diana says at one time, I just go with the flow. And she says, basically, that's great because you'll have to adopt to him. And then he doesn't eat lunch. He's gassy and bloaty and all this. Like a wife. Yeah. Let's like, be honest. Yeah. Like, like a wife. Like a total wife. And then and they talk to each other. while she's chain smoking, we can go into that in a minute. While Camilla sits at the table chain smoking. Yeah. And we talk most days. She we talk that. most days. And Diana goes okay. from complete innocence and complete, like, shock and and disbelief in that same luncheon to acceptance and almost resignation that she has now realized that what the situation is. And if we all remember, if you watched any of the later Diana interviews or read any of the books, what was the famous quote, Amber? There were three people in the relationship, and I'm not even talking about the feminine hygiene product. <laughs> Oh my God! Everybody knows we'll that one. We'll go there into that one. There were three people. There were three people in the marriage, but nonetheless, he's coming home now, and she's talking to his secretary. Dies talking to his secretary, saying he's coming home like the day after tomorrow. And the secretary says, "No, he's coming home tomorrow." Which obviously now he's coming home a day early and not going home to Diana. He goes to see Camilla Parker Bowles, and apparently, quote, breaks up with her. Because the scene, this is the most powerful scene of the entire episode. He lands a day early. And Diana asks the secretary. She expected him home the next day. And she finds out from the secretary that, no, he's arriving today. So she realizes that he's going somewhere else, not to her. He goes to Camilla's house. You don't know anything that's happened other than it's the next morning. He's leaving in the car. Camilla is leaning up against a wall smoking as his car pulls away. She looks like it's been a long night of sex <laughs> and or she's upset. By the way, where was her husband in any of this? All right. So he's not anywhere. Oh God. And what starts playing, Sarah? Oh, God. Okay, you guys, this is true. 
So we're watching the episode and it was a tragic episode for both of us. In fact, I think I teared up. No, I'm just doing some background. I think I teared up. But when this scene in the episode happened where Prince Charles is in the car pulling away, it's almost the end of the episode. And suddenly the hymn comes on. I'm, I grew up Christian. So this hymn was a hymn I knew. I vow thee to my country or I vow to thee my country. I, I looked over to Amber. I think I hit pause on the Netflix and I looked over to Amber and said, this was the first hymn played at Princess Diana's funeral. Yeah, that was extremely painful. Like when we realized the music that the Netflix director chose for when Charles was, quote, breaking up with Camilla, it was the hymn that was played as the first hymn at Diana's funeral. It was really actually, I was, it felt really heavy. And I looked at you, I remember looking at you and going, this is actually probably the most powerful so painful and I, I really did think to myself gosh the directors did a good job with this episode in so many ways yeah. right yeah and, and so, by the way how many people do you think noticed that one and her name's Sarah Van <laughs> Voris there's no doubt about it okay so now they cut to the rehearsal for the wedding and the re- rehearsal from the wedding it basically Margaret watches from she's in like the first pew kind of watching the rehearsals and she sees them go back and fighting. And she basically says to the queen after the rehearsal, Charles loves someone else. And and she knows who it is. And she knows who it is. Everybody knows who it is. Charles loves someone else. How many times is this family going to allow for pain and suffering? You guys. So can I just say something about that, Amber? When I think about this scene, and why it's so powerful and why even the Charles and Diana story is so powerful about this. The fact that Charles was in love with somebody else and then he married Diana. He was forced to marry her, I guess, on some level. But, I mean, he was a grown man, so it was his mm-hmm. own choice. But it's sort of a human nature type of thing, right? Where I don't want to take it too deep, but you do what you think you're supposed to do versus what you want to do. Well, and that's when the – it was you know, they're all sitting in there. But Queen Mum says – you just juggle them both. That's how it works. Well, yeah. And by the way, it was really ironic that the queen mother, Elizabeth, her name was also Elizabeth, would say that because she was married, her husband, the queen's father, he was the stuttering king, if you guys remember. There was actually a movie that came out starring Colin Firth about him. And by the way, Helena Bonham Carter played the queen mum in that movie. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. So, so cool. By the way, Helena Bonham Carter is also a, a granddaughter of a prime minister of England, and she's also the great-granddaughter of royalty of England, so it's interesting, sort of that whole thing. But in any event, he didn't cheat on her. 
He didn't cheat on the Queen Mum. It's common knowledge. At least history says that he did not cheat on Queen Elizabeth's mother. So for her to say basically that husbands cheat on wives is a little bit ironic given that her husband didn't cheat on her. The whole thing kind of ends when the Queen Elizabeth is walking through the room. The fireworks are going off. The night before the wedding. The night before the wedding, the fireworks are going off and she goes into the parlor where Prince Charles is. Yep. She gets up from the meeting with the, it was Princess Margaret. Everybody was in the group. They were talking about basically Margaret was saying, this can't happen. You mm-hmm. need to stop this wedding. Charles loves somebody else. The queen gets up. Olivia Coleman gets up. She walks out of the room. She walks into another room where Prince Charles is standing. And she basically encourages him and says his duty and that your country is basically bigger than this. And you have a duty and service to serve your country. And that is basically how it ends. And then he turns to her and he has tears in his eyes. And that's how it ends. Well, let me just say something about that scene. They were intending for us to feel sorry for Charles. I didn't feel sorry didn't for Charles. Feel I didn't feel one bit. bit. One and bit. the reason for that is we saw the whole episode. I don't know if this was a misstep by the producers but or the director. But we saw the entire episode, The Suffering of Lady Di. And you just didn't at that point give a shit about Prince Charles and his unhappiness because he and Camilla were so awful about Lady Di that you didn't feel sorry for him anymore. Yeah. But you're right. There is a even more powerful scene at the very end of this episode, which is on the day of the wedding. It shows everybody getting ready and Princess Margaret and her peach outfit and then Queen Mum and her mint green outfit and and, and, and in that Ugh. horrific hat it shows Queen Elizabeth dressed to the nines looking at Prince Philip also dressed in his uniform and they're looking at each other from afar and he looks down and she looks at him she's smiling at him he looks down and then she looks kind of Forlorn. Yeah, yeah, forlorn, yeah. And because of all their past history of yeah. Philip cheating his whole way after they got married. Yeah. And her just having to do her duty. And her just having to do her duty. It was so powerful. If you haven't seen this episode, you have to see it. And then it shows at the very end, Diana walking towards where she's going to walk out. In her big train. You remember the big train of her oh, dress? God, her dress. And the music. And by the way, I read that the producers went to... To replicate that dress button by button or stitch by stitch, they actually went to Paris to buy the material that was used to make that dress so that it was a perfect replica. So the production on this show is just unbelievable. I can tell just as a normal person. She's walking and he's he's spinning the signet ring on his pinky finger, which is his ring about the royal highness or whatever. This is just the episode recap of season four, episode three, The Fairy Tale. If you haven't watched it, you must watch it. And this is our first special episode. Okay, last thing. What do you remember about the wedding? Can I tell you one thing really quickly? What I remember about the death of Princess Di? I remember I was hiking alone, the John Muir Trail. I come out, I was in Lone Pine. I go to the grocery store. I don't know why, probably to get a burger and some fries and a Coca-Cola. But nonetheless, I'm there and I see... It's in August, and I see the newspaper of Princess Di announcing that she died in the accident, and my heart literally broke. 
to have an entire lifetime in the span of half of our lives in the same lifetime as a young adult. I mean, I was a child. I was 11 years old. And then as a young adult, as 27, 28 year old woman watching Mm -hmm. Diana die. I think anybody who's lived that, we all have that same sort of feeling of that just tragic Shakespearean tragedy attached to Diana. And this episode, I think, really touched all of us in that way. It brought those memories back to all of us when she married and when she died, because it was such important parts of all of our lives, which is why this episode is so powerful, honestly. I I couldn't say it any better. I think it it really brought mortality to the forefront. When you're our age, life choices, right? right? Pretty amazing. So if you haven't watched it, do watch it. This is a special episode of Sasscast featuring The Crown, Season 4, Episode 3. We Thanks for joining us, the three people that listen. Also, Roast Lick will be back in a few days. All right. Bye.